Good morning, afternoon and evening Fruitball fans and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Fruitball Weekly, the film review podcast where we give you all the juicy details and thought-provoking opinions on the movie of the week and we also contain 100% spoilers. So grab a snack, pour a drink and get comfy for another Fruitful Review. I'm your host Ramra, joined by my co-host Kitchen! Hello! And today, we review Psycho Gorman, a horror comedy directed by Stephen Kostansky and released in 2020. Psycho Gorman is the story of PG, Stephen Vlahos, a Gygaxian slave turned world-conquering god who was beaten by an alien warrior named Pandora, Kristen McCulloch, and imprisoned on Earth. However, due to the forces of randomness, two kids by the name of Luke and Mimi, Owen Meyer and Nita Josie Hanna, end up unearthed in PG, and through the power of the gem that gives him his powers, they take him on a wacky adventure full of hijinks. Psycho Gorman, the man that the film is named after, is fucking phenomenal. The minute you get to see... PG himself appear on screen. The costume that they've made is great. Oh, the costume is amazing. Really, the best costume or the best prosthetic in the entire film right there. He has these weird shoulder pads that I think are part of his body. And there's a scene where they put him in normal clothes. And it almost seems like that those shoulder pads are gone until he rips the shirt off. It just looks really strange and mismatched. It's very good. And that's, that's intentionally like that. And I absolutely love the film for it. One of the things that just sort of caught me off guard is even though Psycho Gorman himself is ADR'd, so someone's doing his voice after yes. the actual acting's done. That is Stephen Vlahos, who provides the voice for PG. Yes, yes it is. And Matthew Nineveh, I believe, who's actually the body of Psycho Gorman. Mm-hmm. Or is the actor, I guess, not the body. But the actual lip flap movements of the suit actually look really good. It's to the point where, even though they don't match completely, which is how you can tell it's obviously voiced afterwards, there's a lot of scenes in which it does just look like Psycho Gorman's talking, like without it being uh, dubbed over or anything like that. And I found that really interesting and well done. Compared to some of the other characters in the film, which are monstrous creatures with the same sort of face makeup on, Psycho Gorman has far better articulation. Yes, although there are a few aliens in this that just sort of look like, you know, you bought something from a costume shop and just <laughs> stuck it on someone's head or something like that. They're really wild, though. There's like a bucket filled with human remains that squirts blood liquid at people. They all sort of seem to me, which fits the theme of the film, I believe, they all sort of seem power rangy villain-ish, but with just yes. a higher age rating. No, I could definitely see that. The way they sort of go off between each other. Like when the group of Psycho Gorman's like disciples or whatever turn up and it's just like this, ha-ha, we're now going to betray you, Psycho Gorman! <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough, sure. And it's the fact when they're trying to fight, they can't move properly in the costumes. No, no, they can't. And then no. sometimes in a the film, there's extreme violence, which is also very well done, both good and bad. But other yes. times they add sparks to the attacks instead of blood and gore. It's like they couldn't decide what to do, but they included everything and everything worked. Yeah, and I think the reason that mainly works is just because of the actual good costume designs, but also just because that 
PG himself is just actually a genuinely good and fun character to follow. Comedic, too. Yeah, because as expected from a film like this, I expected it to just be, you know, some kids or whatever find something and they have to, like, control or fight against Psycho Gorman and Psycho Gorman's on Earth and it's a strange planet filled with all these pathetic humans and you know like he eats an ice cream gets brain freeze and blows an ice cream (laughs) vendor up or something you know that's that sort of stuff or like he's forced to go to a a piano recital or a nativity play or something or he has to dress as their like long lost cousin or uncle which they kind of do for a bit they do have this really fun 80s 90s sitcom sort of montage that carries that whole wacky vibe with it and psycho gorman's just there blowing kids up yes. and causing chaos. And this is the thing that I love about Psycho Gorman, both him and the film, is that some of his abilities are really detailed and horrific. And it's like, you know, if a kid saw this, I reckon their head would just explode just from how horrific the things <laughs> he does are. But then he can't really decide if it's just going to be a PG or GIF explosion <laughs> effect over, <laughs> over a kid or something. It's just stock fire in the corner of the yes. frame sometimes. <laughs> exactly, it really, yeah. it really captures the budget feel. Uh, I like to think that PG does just actually have a live budget in the film, and that's why some <laughs> of his abilities are just like, no, uh, don't really, can't really waste the budget on this, so it'll just be a GIF explosion, and that'll be that. But, man, I I just really wish that we got more of his backstory stuff. Oh my god, yes. Because the sliver of backstory stuff that we end up getting is where the film sort of goes whole hog into the whole alien domination, world conqueror side of things. And you get, like, these interesting creature designs, you get... Actually, like, the the sets that are made up. You get the classic, like, Godzilla figures of, like, (laughs) how it's a toy city and a toy tank. Yeah, there's, like, a stop-motion or claymation village. And... All, all of that and just the way it's told and the fact that in this like goofy movie he tells something like really seriously and stern and it's like I was a slave and was tortured but now <laughs> I do the torturing. The whole sequence of events in the first flashback is just so dynamic as well. Surprisingly so, given what they had to work with. Exactly. If we're going to talk about Psycho Gorman... We should probably talk about the... I'd say the second best looking character, which is... Pandora. Who saw the sort of looks like an android from Red Dwarf. Yes, exactly. Like, really blocky, like, cube design. Robotic voice. And that is where you see the sort of difference in lip flap movements as well. <laughs> yes, Because definitely. Pandora's lips flap, but they're literally just like, meh, 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 meh. It's like, <laughs> she's one stage away from being a Muppet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> 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 And with the same as PG, it's Krista McCulloch who's actually in the suit of Pandora, and it's Anna Tierney, I believe, who's the voice of Pandora. Mm. And honestly, I think as an antagonist, like heavily religious cult themes with Pandora. Yes. They even do borrow some quotes from the Bible or paraphrase. Oh, right, okay, yeah. The first time I believe Pandora sees the humans, the first sentence out of her mouth is, Do not be afraid, 
which is a very biblical thing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Pandora looks really good as well. I Agreed. mean, again, Pandora to me screams way more Power Rangers than PG does. PG doesn't really suit the Power Ranger feel as much because his suit doesn't feel budget. No, yeah, exactly. Whereas Pandora's definitely just looks like it is someone wearing a suit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's very clearly like a rubber face mask or something. But as kind of like a, I guess, an antagonist to PG, because the actual backstory stuff is cut, we don't really get much of an interaction between them. When they start interacting and actually fighting and stuff, it's it's vaguely fun. You know, like yeah. it's an actual fun section when they start to interact with each other. The main confrontation between them two is sort of interrupted by this fake hug scene, which sort of yeah. takes you away from the action. It's obviously done to juxtapose the kind kids hugging it out while this horrific fight is going on in the background. Exactly. Yeah. But I really didn't care about the hug scene. I really wanted to see more of the gore. And I think they should have reversed that order. So we see the hug in the background while this gore is going on. Yes. Like, uh, just see a bunch of stuff happening while they're actually fighting, and then, you know, you yeah, get, like, exactly. laser beams whizzing past the family's head or something like that. Or, <laughs> but they're, like, you know. blindly in this heartfelt, lovely moment, and they're all oblivious to their surroundings. Yes. It's like, we've made up now, wow! It's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. While Psycho Goreman is dismembering Pandora and making weaponry <laughs> yes. out of her own body parts. But Pandora just, honestly, she looks great. She has some unique abilities of turning people into cubes and being able to smear that cube blood all over her face to transform yeah. into a person. Like, that scene to me was pretty, pretty good. The actual yeah. shrinking effect of the woman in the cube, though, not so good. I think while we're on the topic of Pandora, we should also mention Roxine Latoya Plummer, who played that human Pandora. Ah, yes. And I think she also did a very good job of being sort of kind with an ominous air. I mean, she walks into that police station, and she's friendly, she's kind, you know, her demeanour doesn't show, you know, ruthlessness or intimidation or anything like that. But then she goes up and just scanners this guy's head, it doesn't blow up, <laughs> but the effect that they use of his face just, like, warping and being all weird, and, like, there's multiple instances of his face, like, almost coming out of his face like an afterimage... It's like, at that point, it's like, oh, okay. His face so, coming out of his face. I know. I, I honestly can't <laughs> think of a better way to describe it than that, if I'm honest. But no, Pandora is like one of the antagonists. Uh, was enjoyable. I liked Pandora. She was fun. Same. Now, with Pandora's sort of introduction scene, we do end up getting, like, the cast of characters. Just, you know, here's where they can like, splurge out and just do different monster or alien designs and show you a bunch of different things that exist in this universe. And the first thing that I immediately, I guess, latched onto was just the skinless skull that's in a jar. Almost looks like a, a, a skinned Martian. Yeah, like Skeletor wearing a power suit or something. <laughs> it's like, yeah... I, I, it's like, that's the first one that I saw, and I was like, okay, so they're actually trying to create some wacky designs for the sort of alien races. That's that's good, because there's too many that I would say of films, whether they be horror or sci-fi or whatever, where every alien is just another humanoid. Yeah, let's make a person, but paint them blue. Yes, exactly. That's, wow, 
Is that it? Oh, maybe give them pointy ear and antennae. That's it. Okay. Yes. Wow. Exactly. So crazy. Yeah, it's like wow. It's like in that case, you just use your imagination. If there's a vast galaxy out there, just throw some shit on a page and see if it sticks. Exactly. And they really did go whole hog with the designs in this film. Exactly. Like you said earlier, there's literally just a bucket of a bucket. corpse. Yeah. It. <laughs> of corpse. It. Of corpses. <laughs> There's a witch for some reason. A Japanese witch only speaks in Japanese. <laughs> yeah. I mean, nice touch. A bit nonsensical, and I love it. And I also assume that one of his weird disciple guys was supposed to be Gygaxian, like he is, but he literally just looked like a goblin king. Like, he, he even made the like crown for him as well. Like, literally, it's like, I, I'm leader now that you're gone, boss. <laughs> but you're, you're forgetting. These guys were so puny, they. Shared leadership. Yes, they did. <laughs> don't, don't yeah, want any they of did. that. Any of that communist leadership. Oh no! <laughs> oh boy, no. no! They're fighting for the red team now. <laughs> Today's Monday. It's my day to lead. <laughs> Mum said I could have the leadership back. <laughs> Pri- privileges today. Uh, but it's one of those where the other cast of characters, other than PG and Pandora, almost kind of justify Pandora's decisions. Like they don't mind it. They're happy PG's gone. And, you know, when they're beating up PG and they're just sort of having a good old fun time, you know, they're overpowering him for, like, five seconds. Well, he's not allowed to fight back. There's no overpower about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. The chum bucket's spraying blood (laughs) on him. It's not doing anything. It's like mild inconvenience, man. He's just just there. It's like, great, now, now I've got to wash this out. You know how hard it is to wash blood out. Jeez, guys. Of his purple skin. Yes, of his purple skin. Now, you mentioned the fact that PG wasn't able to fight back. And honestly, that is because of the worst part of this film. Which yeah. is any, any, just absolutely any human character. Every human character in this is either badly written boring or just so unbelievable that it makes pg look like a good guy oh definitely pg has the most personality every character that is a human which we follow through the entirety of psycho gorman oh yeah are just character traits that have been slapped on to just anything take for example the parents greg and susan played by adam brooks and alexis hansi one is literally just, I am a lazy father who's useless. Yep. And the other one starts off as, I'm a mother that goes along with all the kids' crap, and then becomes, I hate you, husband, you're too lazy. That's their characters. So I will slightly disagree on just the mother character, only because I do actually think she starts off trying to make the kids the least bit normal. She does sort of talk back towards the dad's stupid ideas. Yes. He does. I, I'll agree with that, yeah. He definitely just reinforces their bad behaviour by either going along with it or not wanting to be in confrontations. Like Exactly. He, he definitely seems like the biggest enabler, to be honest. Well, that's the weird thing, right? Because the way it seems to me is the mother berates the father for enabling the children, yep. but we have not ever seen the mother punishing the children. She's just telling the father to do it. No, yeah, that is true. And yet she has a go at him for being too lazy, essentially, not helping with the kids. And we don't see her do anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
It's like she's, uh, instead of, I guess, wanting to shout at the kid, she's directing that anger to the husband character, I guess, instead. And I can tell you for a fact that this small discussion we've had about the mum and dad character is more <laughs> thought that's actually gone into these characters than in the film. It, honestly, yeah. Yeah, it's... There's one part where she tells the father to get a job after he's actually wounded. Yeah. And says she'll need to take more shifts. And rather than just saying, okay, we're a family unit, I'll take on more shifts, you rest up. She has a go at him. Essentially telling him that he's useless and go get a job. Maybe it's okay if he wants to be a stay-at-home father, you know? It's, yeah, Maybe exactly. it's all right if she's the breadwinner. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, he can kind of cook. <laughs> no, he's useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That also ends up going along with the ending part of the film as well, where Pandora makes her drink some special juice and she turns into a robot as well, like the mum yeah. character. Because the film tries to force a breakup thing between the family and they're not developed enough for us to give a shit, so it doesn't matter. Exactly. But when she turns into the robot character and she's just talking to the dad and she's just like, you're pathetic, I hate you, I'm gonna d destroy you, d d laser beam, laser blast! <laughs> and it's like, we get that he's laser and, you know, he may or may not be pathetic, we haven't seen you on screen long enough to actually tell. Yeah. At that point, she should either just shoot him because I, at this point in the film, I wouldn't disbelieve that she would just no, kill him. No, yeah, that'd be totally believable. Or... They shouldn't have done this at all. Yeah, they seem to be having this marriage sort of fake breakup, whatever you want to call Couples it. Couples dispute kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, this dispute. Yeah. And it's, we don't buy it. We no. don't care enough about the characters, mainly because the characters have nothing that we can latch onto to care about. No, exactly. Every moment we see with the two parents, the mother's berating the father, the father's enabling the children, and they're both doing nothing about it. So I don't really care. They're both to blame as far as I'm aware and whatever the hell. Don't try and act like the better person in this situation. No, of course not. Yeah, exactly. I will give the mother character props though that the minute she sees her small daughter with this weird alien man, she does try and kick the shit out of him by trying to smack him with a baseball bat. It's like immediate parental does, instincts yeah. kick in. It's one of the only times in the film where the parents take action. Yeah. But that's... They're attacking Psycho Gorman, who looks like a horrific monster, but they're still not doing anything about their kids. They let their kids hang out with him after a while, don't they? Yes, that is true. He just becomes a member of the family. They let him in. <laughs> yeah, but he is, in all circumstances, at least to the parents, an adult. Yeah. So they let an, an adult alien who's threatened to kill them all, but hasn't done it yet, hang out yeah. with their children every day unsupervised. That's right, and go into woods... And Extremely negligent from both of them. Factories. <laughs> it's like, exactly. Oh, oh. They don't want their kids to die, but that's as far as they're willing to go. Anything else, now they can do what they want. Let the let one of them bully the other one. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, to the point of no return. It's yeah. at some point, yeah. I will say, though, that out of the two, the mother is the most boring one because they at least do some gags with the dad character that actually, you know, work within the boundaries of the film. Like, Psycho Gorman's supposed to have, you know, abilities that transcend the minds of mere mortals. <laughs> so I love the fact, like, he throws a ball really hard and it breaks the TV and the dad's just there, like, what the fuck, man? Like, he has a genuine reaction. Well, his precious TV's broken, that's why. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh my god. And the uh, the later on gag where Psycho Gorman's just a flaming skull and he's telling directions to the dad. 
because he's in pain. That's good as well. <laughs> the fact that the skull's just like constantly screaming like it hurts to like transmute <laughs> yourself or something into that spectral figure. He's just like, you will go to the pathway up the A63 and turn a left at the second traffic lights. It's like, oh my God. Okay. I don't know where that is. Head north and take the next left on the third junction. <laughs> if you've gone to the roundabout, you've gone too far. <laughs> But again, it's one of those where the only reason the laughs are there are mainly because of PG's interaction with the dad character. Yeah, and the character's reactions to PG. Yes. But saying that, I do think as characters, the mother is a more rounded character. But in terms of the comedic silliness style of the movie, the father, Greg, plays a a more substantial role in making it entertaining. Yes, I I definitely agree with that. I mean, there's barely any funny stuff that happens with the mother character. Why she walks like she shit her pants when she's in the costume. God, that that yes. I will say got me. <laughs> if I'm honest, just just the fact that she's like chasing after the husband character and she's just like, <laughs> like bullheaded, shatter pants, lasers <laughs> coming out of her shoulders. It's like uh... at that point, I'm sure he didn't know whether to be scared or to just <laughs> like be confused. And on the note of human characters that just aren't done well at all, really, that also applies to the two children characters, which are in all of the film, more than PG, if I'm honest. They're they're on screen the most, and they're awful. They really drag down the film. By a lot. By a significant margin. Exactly, yes. They even, at one point, interrupt one of PG's flashbacks and he's riding like this big alien hog vehicle thing, and it looked like it was going to be awesome, but then they interrupt him. Why? Why get rid of some of the best scenes in the film? Because Hungy, though. Hungy for chips. Still chip. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Hi, <laughs> yeah. uh. we're, we're kids. We don't want to know about this badass alien stories about universe conquest and flaming cycles and eating a person for the first time. We don't want to know any of that garbage. That would be too good. Well, honestly, I bet you Luke would have listened, but the fact that Luke is such a tragic pushover is ridiculous. Not only a pushover, but he's abused to such an extent by his sister, who has created a weapon specifically to harm him. Yes, exactly. That, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he has some form of PTSD or Stockholm Syndrome, and that's why he stays with her. Yeah, to be honest, with Luke, I, I think they were trying to go for the grounded... You know, I, I'm the more sensible older brother, you know. I'll yeah. I'll go with your hijinks to a certain amount, but when you go too far, I'm going to put you in your place because you can't go over that edge. It doesn't really work since his edge, his line, is basically until she kills me. Yes, exactly. That's, he's too much of a pushover. He does bend to her whims far too often and it doesn't seem... Right in the slightest. Yes, but even to a point, she chokes him with Psycho Gorman, she steals his food, she berates him almost throughout the entire film. Yeah, and the funny thing is, the scene where Psycho Gorman was asked to kill him as a joke, Psycho Gorman had no reason to know that, and we know he can blow things up in an instant with his mind. Exactly. So it's a good yeah. thing he went for the choke and gave enough time for the decision to be turned over. He could have snapped his fingers and just... Is that a goop on the floor? Yeah. There's your brother, found him. The death could have been instantaneous, but I think 
Psycho Gorman himself, because of the way the dream sequence, which is a fun little zombie sequence, yeah. plays out with Luke. Maybe he used the command to extend the time he would kill him Maybe. instead of just instantly killing him because he has choice. He was asked to kill him, you know, not yeah. kill him quickly or anything like that. So he can kill him how he likes. So it, g- it gave time to send the message, essentially. And Luke, honestly, is just he's just kind of there. Like, he's a character yeah. that fades into the background, but as they do with the mother and father character, they want to push a dispute among the children, the bro versus the sis. And to be honest, if I was Luke, I would have strangled Mimi ages ago. <laughs> yeah, Ugh. Mimi. Ugh. Now, Luke is sort of a non-character, and the film knows this. Steven yes. wrote it, so... Luke would be forgotten by Psycho Gorman multiple times, and it's quite a fun little gag. Yeah. Mimi, get out your bingo cards, because Mimi is every bad trait in bad trait bingo. Obnoxious, selfish, spoiled, they're a narcissistic sociopath. Yes. They show zero redeeming qualities. There's a sort of redemption arc near the latter end of the film, but it devolves into her singing a song about how great she is. Yes, exactly. Which then... When there seems like the conflict might not be resolved, she does a fake apology, which I believe she only does as a manipulation tactic to get control over her brother again. Because he's on the fence and she does a little knocky-knock, I'm sorry, without saying it. And it's meant to be this heartfelt moment where she's finally given him the, the love he deserves after putting up with her shit for so long. And no, I don't believe it at all. No. Especially since right before that, she was singing about herself. She asks them to save her family only and not the rest of the earth. Why? The dad points that out as a joke. Ha ha, this character's awful. Ha ha, what a funny joke. It would be cool if the character was comedic, if the character was humorous in any way, if the character had character qualities that we could find fun and enjoyable and entertaining. But all in all, she's just so damn annoying. Not the actress. Mimi, the character, is absolutely deplorable and is the worst character in cinema I've seen in a very long time. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, yeah, but she's a kid character, you know? She wants to be, like, the kid from the Babadook or from <laughs> the the Child's Play remake. Any of the actual really good child characters. Yeah, yes, that not. sort of <laughs> take their destiny in their own hands and they're going to be, like, strong and fight back again. No, the minute she gets PG, she's just like, haha, I'm going to turn this boy I may not or may love into brain. Ha, that's funny joke. It's not funny. It's not funny, though. There are probably ways you could do that in a humorous way. I can't think of any off the top of my head right now. But it could have been done in a more funny way. The thing he turns into is pretty great and pretty fun. Lends itself to some comedy devices. The giant brain, like, uh... I I assume animatronic, our puppet, like, fully. Yeah, it looks like a puppet to me. Like, that actually looks really, really good. Like, very yeah. high budget production value on that. But, oh, just, just, just Mimi, just Mimi just makes me sad. Like, yeah. like, like, she really does. I mean, don't even get me started on fucking Crazy Ball that she made up. Which, might I add, involves the kids punching each other, but she only somehow makes sure that she's the one getting the punch in. Like yeah, well, bullshit. she probably knows she will win because her brother might not want to hit her. So she's used that on intentionally as a way to always beat him. Because then all you have to do is hit a ball with your ball, no matter who's winning, as you can win the game by getting one extra point and taking theirs. 
and Luke possibly trying to be a nice person unlike his exactly. sister. It wouldn't be so bad if she faced consequences for her actions yeah. throughout the entirety of the film. Honestly, if Psycho Goreman kept his end of the bargain but turned her to goo, I would be happy. Yeah. But instead, if Steven purposely wrote Mimi to be unlikable, then congratulations, you've done it. You've made the character the most unlikable thing I've seen in a very long time at the expense of an amazing film. Yeah. Good job. Well done. It's like, <laughs> it's... See, when Mimi gets introduced... You might think, right, yeah, so she's obviously going to be the one taking charge, but maybe she, yes. you know, doesn't like what Psycho Gorman does for some of the requests, or maybe there's a point where it goes too far and she thinks about getting rid of the gem. Or, you know, she just she just has a moment where she reflects on her actions. Maybe she talks to her parents. No, she starts a psychopath. And she stays a psychopath. And there's no repercussions. Yep. There's no true bonding with her brother. She insults and berates her family almost as much as she does her brother, and they just let her get away with it. It's absolutely, if I'm honest, pathetic writing for a character. It's like, very I, pathetic. I do not like the way that they've wrote Mimi at all. I feel like Stephen may have been trying to go for a strong, independently willed young girl. Yeah. But independence and strong-willed does not mean you don't have any empathy. You only care about yourself. Yeah. That's not what strong and independent is. There's no sense of maturity coming from this character. Sure, it's a child. I get it. Even a child would have some idea of consequences, actions and consequences. Yeah. Awareness of what may be dangerous or harmful to other people. They have empathy to a certain degree. Yeah. But Mimi's just... Like I said, they've just thrown every bad trait they can at a character, and they've gone, yes. good, now we don't need to write an actual arc. No, we don't. We're like, there, there it is. There's all the sugar and spice and everything nice. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> but, I th see, the thing where I believe they made their biggest mistake was making the kids have control over PG. I think PG should have been an invading force, and I think the kids should have found some sort of relic. Like, maybe PG gets in an accident when flying to Earth, all his relics are scattered about, and they find some sort of alien weaponry and fight back against him or something. But the thing is, is that they also have sort of like a hint of going for, oh, what happens if kids get control of a alien being that can conquer planets or whatever? But their, their actions and the way they control PG... That isn't what a kid would do. I don't think it is. <laughs> no, we mentioned earlier how we would have loved some of the childlike shenanigans they could have come up with. Being children and then putting essentially an almighty dark god in those positions. Sort of like inviting Cthulhu to your tea party. Yeah. It's that sort of ridiculousness that I was really hoping to see from the synopsis of the film. But instead, the person who gains control over Psycho Goreman is a worse evil than every other evil in the film. <laughs> Absolutely. It really yeah. is. And I think the problem isn't the fact they had control over Psycho Goreman or not. I think the problem is the style of character they decided to give the children. The young girl bullying her older brother isn't funny. It's abuse. No. And sure, I can see there might be some funny bits in it here and there. Like the winding up to punch I thought was quite funny and comedic. Yes. But having it be so constant throughout the film that she has a weapon designed to kill him that's covered with razor blades and sharp objects. That's not funny. No, it, it, it really isn't. This 
doesn't feel like they were going for a joke. This is them thinking, wouldn't it be funny if the young girl nearly killed her brother? That's it. Yeah. That's not a punchline. No. Now, to me, that would have been a funny gag if they actually had moments of her subtly, I guess, trying to kill her brother. Like, oh, lady's failing somehow. Like, maybe being like a bumbling idiot character or something like that. If she was pure evil but incompetent. Yes, exactly. Yeah. The problem is, she's pure evil and extremely competent And for extremely no competent, yeah. yeah. So, going on sort of like a last bit, mainly about, again, Mimi, but also something that Mimi reflects on, I guess, the entire film, is just the idea that men or boys or just males in this universe suck. <laughs> like, they are... <laughs> They are the pavement to be walked upon by the they females really in this world. They're the butt of every joke. Yeah. They're the victim of every crime. They really are just doormats or tools to be used for, I guess, gory comedy purposes. And that's not completely bad, but the way no. in which they're used, I'm not exactly a fan of. That's it. It's the idea of if you actually showed us, like, maybe the brother did something to Mimi, like maybe he broke a favourite toy or something and, you know, being a kid and sort of that aggression bubbling up, that sort of centre what spiralled or something. Or if yeah. we have scenes of the father truly being lazy or being like, oh, you know, you should cook tonight. And it's like, you never cook, you know, something yeah. like that. But we actually see the father trying to cook with yes. his shit, but he tries. We see he him try. He tries to dig that hole and actually hurts his wrist. Yeah. I thought he was faking until he high-fived Gorman. And his wrist just snapped. So he is a super weak guy. He, he seems to be trying to do certain things. He's just really bad at it. And I do see some humor in that. I do find those scenes pretty damn funny. Yeah. But a lot of the times, the, the treatment the characters get isn't deserved. No, it's not. And we have no reason to think it should be. Because Luke's a cool guy. He puts up with a lot of shit. He seems fairly level-headed. And yet, his sister just treats him like a punching bag. For no reason. And it's also due to the fact that he is written unrealistically, like... Such a pushover. Yeah, pushover, that's it. And it's just the idea that they tried a bunch of themes, but it should have just been a wacky film about an, an alien on a foreign planet, I guess, being controlled by kids, and they just do fun, fun Doing silly things. things, yeah. They ask him to finger paint, and they've all got, like, funny finger painting things. It's like, oh, PG, what did you get? I got your inevitable deaths, and it shows them on stakes or something. Like, it shows a, a very realistic, like, photorealistic vision of the future or something. It would have been <laughs> like, oh, that's amazing, PG. Yeah. We haven't mentioned his hunky boys, which was a fun bit. No, yes, I'm sorry <laughs> we haven't mentioned PG and his hunky but, um, boys. We haven't mentioned <laughs> Biocop, the weird zombified version yes. of Cop Psycho Gorman makes. Now, Biocop has a form of suicidal comedy, but the way in which it's executed, I think, is hilarious. There are some times where those scenes come out of nowhere in such a way that, based on the timing, gives it a, a large amount of humour. Those moments where PG actually gets to do some creative kills are just the funniest parts because they're so overdone. And the idea of this being like, oh, the kids are just, you know, there. And it's like, ah, kids, I'm frustrated. <laughs> yeah. 
Take this cup and be friends or whatever. And then this cop's just in forever torment, just be like, kill me, and his gun's prematurely <laughs> going off or whatever. It's like, I love it. And uh, when there's the big fight where they're all beating up Psycho Goreman, Biocop jumps in in hopes that Psycho Goreman will kill him and gets his wish. Yes, <laughs> yes, exactly. I think partly why that humour works is both of those characters kind of deserved it from our point of view. They were both yes. after Psycho Goreman, and he killed them basically on his terms, but he had an excuse to act that way. And when Biocop's going through his torment, I guess, up to that point, it just, I don't know, there's just something about it I really enjoyed. No, I mean, the the like weird face melting look that Biocop has, the initial transformation where like bits of PG turn into like like thick tubes and enter his skin like that's really grotesque i didn't know what that was pg like kind of melds into him a little bit and there's like body (laughs) horror there and then you know he's just walking like a zombie and his slurred speech and just honestly if the film had more stuff like that in it it would have been amazing yeah Yeah, I, i completely agree the problem with this film is the the time spent on the human element not enough time spent in wacky costume 80s land. Yeah. But Psycho Goreman, if I'm honest, the costume designs are amazing, and the actual gore effects are pretty damn good as well. But it's just the fact that the sci-fi element is the best bit, but it's bogged down by constantly having these unlikable written to the point where they're just obnoxious and boring to be honest. <laughs> that mundane human element just really does not go well with, I guess, the type of film that he wanted to make. Yeah. And due to the fact that Mimi is the character that you will see most of the time on screen, I I absolutely hated her. <laughs> Honestly, by the end of this film, I just wanted it to be over. And we don't even get a good conclusion as well, which really annoyed me. So overall, I would give this a 4 out of 10. Yourself? Psycho Goreman is an excellent homage to 80s B-movies and old monster flicks. It really fits that aesthetic to a T. But even with the amazing gore, the silly effects, the super cool costumes, I cannot get over the lackluster story, the unlikable, unrelatable, shallow cast, the fairly poor acting from all of the humans. Everyone they got to act the monsters, even the side character monsters, I think fit. Yeah. The humans don't really fit well. And seeing how we do follow him through the whole film, and they are basically the main characters, even though Psycho Goreman's the name of the film, it really drags the film down harshly. And I would have given this a six or higher if they weren't in it at all, because I really enjoyed the parts where they weren't in it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but too. that being said, they're in there for the majority of the film. And because of that, I'm with you at 4 out of 10. And on that note, Fruitball fans, comes the end of the episode. As always, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and all other major podcast platforms to catch new episodes every Friday. Or support us directly by going to anchor.fm forward slash Fruitball Weekly. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fruitball Weekly to keep up to date with Fruitball news, any giveaways we may be doing, or to catch our fan pick review polls every four weeks. Please send any feedback or any Fruitball episode ideas to us at fruitballweekly at gmail.com and we will catch you next week. See you then. See you then.